0: Welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity Leadership. Today, we have Jerry from Redbeards, who's talking about what he's seeing, that he's hearing from his clients that he recruits for. So just so everyone understands, Jerry's a recruiter, has lots of amazing top companies that he works for. And when they come to him for talent, these are the types of things that they're looking for. Take that perspective when you listen to this episode, and let's get started. But before we do, Jerry, do you want to introduce yourself and give a little bit of background? Sure.
1: Thanks, Christoph. My name is Jerry Ghidorah. I'm the founder of Redbeard Solutions. We're a cybersecurity and technology-focused professional services term. team, veteran-owned as well. We've been in a space for, I've been in a space for more than 20 years, this company for a little bit better than two. We do everything from project-based work through consulting and direct hire stuff everything in the cybersecurity and technology.
0: So Jerry, as leaders, CEOs, CISOs, et cetera, as you're looking for that individual that is coming from an individual contributor role to a people leadership role, what are the types of things that you're looking for in that individual?
1: That's a great one. Thank you. It really is the combination of human and skill. So we're really looking for folks and what I'm seeing again and again are folks that have a broad cybersecurity knowledge generally with one deep spike i jokingly call it the jack of all trades master of one and a really deep business understanding as well when you move into leadership roles in cybersecurity it's an expectation that you can communicate as effectively with your tech team as you can the business team in order to do that you need to understand where they're coming from
0: and as you think about that what are the critical skills and competencies that they're looking for in that
1: great again so I'm going to set the technology piece aside a little bit only because it varies really a lot dep- depending on the role and the size of the company. One of the things that, that I've found over the years is that the larger the company the specific, the more that they prefer specialists and the smaller the company, the more that they prioritize generalists so I'm going the technology side and piece for now piece aside for now and say that other than, of course, being strong in the technology they need, they're looking for people that can communicate really well. I'd alluded earlier to the importance of being able to get between technology and its needs, and it really goes beyond that. The further you climb in your career, the more important it is that you can communicate effectively and by communicate, influence your team. Especially with cybersecurity, there's so much news. And from a user perspective, it, it tends to be more pain than it is help. For an average user, two two-factor authentication is a pain in the behind. So if you're not if you're not able to explain to them and help them understand that, you're gonna have a user base that's fighting you in every step you take. So when I look at the most successful cyber leaders. It's the ones that have the ability to influence, to sell their ideas instead of trying to lead by mandate.
0: You mentioned that term influence. Would you d- dig in a little bit deeper on that and why that's such a critical skill?
1: Sure, thank you. So when I'm talking about influence, it's really this. There's a tendency, especially as we become more experienced, and I might be projecting when I say this, but as I get a little bit more white in my be, I see to tell instead of sell. And when you're talking to your team, we're talking to your user base, it's so that you get them on board that they understand the why behind the you're making. If I'm Joe or Janet, the average user, and I discover that to use my my most used piece of art, I have to take two additional steps that I did before. My first thought is, "Wow, I'm happy worse with... no, it's not that it's oh my gosh, it takes me two extra minutes to use them. so by sharing the importance of what we're achieving and what that means to them, that gives you the opportunity to influence them. I made the comment early about. Leading through mandate as being ineffective. If you think that sending an email explaining why something is being done a certain way is enough, you're sadly mistaken. You really need to break that down to more bite-sized. Comp- consumable pieces and ideally if your organization structural allows it not one-on-one but certainly you to a group at a time explaining why this is happening and that all starts with your team when you lead this way you're get, you're going to inform them through your actions that you value that in them and they're going to be soldiers in your army instead of them not really supporting what you're trying to do Does that answer your question Christophe? it
0: seems like influence is tell to sell with a great amount of communication that is in context for that set you're trying to sell to because selling to a senior VP versus an analyst are going to be totally different. Correct?
1: Exactly correct. Take it one step further and I'll say the most important business book I've read in my entire life is The 7 Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Now, not the most exciting read ever. It's fairly dry, but one of the rules is seek first to understand before uh, being understood. This is a great example of that. When you ask yourself as a cybersecurity leader, what impact does this decision have on the a work of the user? And you understand what that is, it'll better help you to craft your messaging to them so that you can influence them because you're showing first that you understand what this means to them. And then next, you're explaining the why of it. And I found in my career, that's by a lot the most effective way to influence a lead.
0: And then coming back to the technology part, are there certain technology stacks or maybe themes that leaders are looking for the future of talent to? buff up on so that they can hire them quickly could you explain it a little bit do you mean what technologies are popular now w- what technologies and CISOs are looking for maybe AI quantum are there certain areas that you're seeing spikes in for demand
1: sure I'll answer the question with one caveat so understand that in, in the recruiting and professional services industry What you have tends to be get more of the same just because of the way that our sales cycle works, it's somewhat circular. Over 2022 and the beginning of 2023, I've seen an enormous amount of IAM activity, identity access management stuff, lots of Salesforce and Okta. That said, the technology that I've seen the most talk about, would be shocked if I was alone in this, is is AI. So with the explosive reveal of ChatGPT a month or so ago, it's all over the place. Now, a lot of folks maybe in this community would recognize it, but ChatGPT was actually dumbed down a level. When they heard that bad actors were utilizing it to to help write exploits, that has has really brought a lot of awareness to to OpenAI, ChatGPT, and of course Google's product to compete with it. So I suspect as this year opens that we'll seeing more more work with the AI space. I wonder to some extent if it's going to be like it was in the 2000s, where people put tech in their title just to make themselves more more saleable in, in, in a newly digital world. So I wonder how many of these new offerings will truly be. Able. AI versus marginally AI, but I suspect that we're going to see a lot of growth in that space.
0: So as you talk about AI and technology that is almost exponential in its ability to tackle problems, what roles do you see potentially disappearing and what roles do you see coming up?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So I think that that can be easily replicated and already is in danger from automation. It is at imminent risk. I think that's relationship focused where you strive and are successful in creating and maintaining real relationships. I'll be critical because of the networking component, which I'd love to talk more about later, as well as roles that require deep thought and outside-the-box thinking. AI is best at looking at big data sets and comparing notes. What it's not yet exceptional at is extrapolating concepts across themes. Knock on wood, we're hopefully still my retirement years away from that, but areas where you can do that, where you can take your experience with data move it over to your to coding and from your coding to other disciplines that's going to be that's going to be an area that i think ML will will lag behind a little.
0: very interesting so brought up the concept of networking how does that tie in and how is that critical to leaders developing their career
1: yeah great question so Networking is the secret sauce to success in businesses. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Redbeard is my second go in the entrepreneurial space. I've been in technology professional services for more than 20 years. And from the perspective of technologists, executives, sales guys, and recruiters, networking is really the secret sauce. The easiest way to get access to another organization or to a person you want to speak to is through that. If I have one career regret, in my again, 20 plus years, it's not taking developing a professional network earlier in career more seriously. The folks that you're working with in our industry, statistically, they're gonna move around every two to three years. Those folks are gonna go far and wide to other places. And if you can even just a basic level of relationship there, your your seeds to the wind and where they land can very well be where you wanna be next. So networking is key. But the thing to remember networking, it's not just who know, it's who you know knows so the folks that you develop relationships with obviously that first round that first layer is most critical but be mindful of who they're connected to so for example if you find yourself looking for a new role reach out to the folks you know most make sure they know you're hunting is the obvious choice for a first step but it shouldn't be the only one and it shouldn't be as simple as I'm one of the folks impacted by this most recent round of layoffs at X. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that; you should, but that shouldn't be the only thing. You should also be reaching out to the folks that you know well and then be taking a second to look at their connections on LinkedIn and see if anyone they know is at places you'd like to be. More proactively, I would strongly recommend for mid to senior level folks that that you're doing this again proactively. So make sure again, I'm not suggesting that you should always be looking for your next gig you should develop a ring of people a circle of 15 or 20 folks at your level or in the next level up and contact with them share ideas build that circle not only is it going to make you better at what you do because you're going to be more informed your information won't be so siloed but you're going to have a tighter group of folks that you can go to if and when you are ready to make that
0: You give some great tips, but some of those tips are initiating the relationship. What are some of your tips for pushing those relationships and them going over the long term? Because meeting someone today, whether it be a conference or an comment that that creates it, that's just a spark. How do you keep that spark going to build that relationship? Right.
1: That's a great question. Thank you. The key, and this I hope isn't an overly simple answer, but it's adding value. So I've found in, in, in my career that the best tempo to be in a relationship, especially with someone who, in and I in, in a hate to be this mercenary by saying this way, but someone that you're looking to get something from, that you're looking to either earn their business or potentially work for with them one day, is a tempo of give. So there there are simple things that you can do if you're active on then, you know, being mindful of their posts, sharing them, commenting them, doing things like that. I'm reaching out from time to time, frankly, sending them a note from time to time and saying, hey, is there anything I can do to help you? Are you trying to achieve anything? Can I open any doors for you? Can I connect you to anybody in my network? When you've done that three or four times, I think you've earned the right for all. It also gives you the opportunity to test to see, is there reciprocated value in this relationship? Frankly, sometimes the ask is something they can't do. Maybe they don't have the connection you see. Maybe they're newer in an organization, whatever it is. But if they reply and say, I'd love to help you, but I can't because, in my mind, that's still a give. They've replied and they made an attempt or explained why they couldn't. So you get back under your tempo, give and ask again. And I found again, if you're giving a giving to taking ratio is three to one, you're in a good space. That person is going gonna, is gonna to see the value in me tuning. And if I could, without at risk of maybe overly monologuing. But I can add one important thing to that. It's authenticity. Be who you are, because it's going to come out in the wash eventually. They're going to like you or not like you over time. Just to figure that out early on. So be who you are. I'm not suggesting that you speak like you do with your college friends on a Friday, but I am saying that be yourself. I inject a lot of humor in things. Most would say too much, but especially in the cybersecurity space where things are so serious all the time, I tend to joke around a lot. People like it or they don't. And if they don't, better we figure that out early. So be authentic and added benefit. People can sniff out an authentic very, so it's a
0: big way. Love that you touched on the authenticity. I know one of the first things that I do with my my candidates is we do the self discovery. We focus on who we are, what who we are now, or who we want to become, and what people see us as now versus what we want to be known for, and figuring out like your why. Have you been able to quickly pull that out of candidates to help them improve their ability? To communicate to hiring managers or any tips that you have found to be able to do that for those that might not know who they are authentically and they've only focused on their job title? Yeah,
1: I'm going to answer that question, but I'm going to do it in a little bit of a roundabout way. So if I haven't gotten where you want me to be at the end, feel free to ask me to do it again. But it let me say this. So I come from the outside recruiting world, meaning that I've never been a talent acquisition recruiter internally to a company. Several friends that are, but I've never been one personally. So I've always been that contingency recruiter who only gets paid to fill a role. So when I'm talking to a candidate, I'm usually one of seven jillion recruiters reaching out to that poor person, blowing up their inbox. Now, I like to think I do it effectively. Feel free if you've experienced any of my emails, outreaches today, and i be happy to take that feedback, but understand that very often when I'm speaking to a candidate, they're suffering from a little bit of recruiter fatigue. And by that, I mean, they want to know if this is going to be evaluated quickly. And if they do, I've got to earn the right for them to take my... Now, here's why I gave you that big initial part before I gave you your answer. I understand completely what that's like as a donor i get an enormous amount of outreach as well i get it but once you've made the decision to work with a recruiter i strongly recommend that you at the very least listen to the that they're giving whether you follow it or not is your business but receptive but be receptive to the fact that, that recruit even if they're only selfish people that only want to make the sale they want to make the sale so they're giving you that because they think it will, it'll better your chances of getting the role. Now, if they're giving you bad advice, lie on your resume or things like that, quite obviously don't walk away, run away. But if they're giving you about how you're interacting, then listen. So I will say this now in an effort to answer your good question, Christoph. And that's this, as a technology person, most of the folks that I talk to, especially at the mid and below level, tend to overly focus on their technical answers. But don't listen for whether or not that answer landed. So what I'm going to recommend as far as communication, especially in interviews, is that when that manager or that interviewer asks you a question about technology or experience or whatever, ask it back when you're done. So when they ask you, what is your experience with threat intelligence? You give your answer and ask a question back. In my last job, I did this, that, and the other thing. And then your question back, is that the way we would do it here? Or... Did I answer fully? Or I'd be happy to get deeper into that if you'd like. Now, quick tangent, if your interviewer is not a technical person, maybe they're a leader, maybe they're an internal recruiter or whatever, give a shallow technical answer first, then offer to go deeper. And the reason is you don't want to lose them. Some people, unfortunately, their skin is so thin that they feel like if you lose them that you're somehow insulting them. So it doesn't work well. So I would recommend, again, asking that follow-on. Did I answer your, your question, Christoph? I feel like I got a little bit astray.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I guess to, to tag on to that, how do you authentically communicate to candidates to, A, ensure that they read your message, and B, reply to your message as you're targeting future cybersecurity leaders?
1: Sure. So when, our just want to make sure I understand how do I do it? How do I recommend they
0: do it? Both. You reaching out to them to show how you're being authentic in the outreach so that they can see that same, re- reciprocate that same authenticity back to you when they reply.
1: Sure. So for me, it's a little bit of a combo. I understand that candidates, especially in the cybersecurity space, if you're a mid to senior level person, there's more roles than people in most of these spaces. So I get right to the point initially. So I make sure if I'm calling Christoph about a role, I say Christoph, I'm looking for a senior, a senior network security architect. I'm not saying that's Christoph's skill set, just hypothetically. This area does not seem like something you'd be interested. In. So I get right to the point with what they're, what with what they're looking for, and then I give a very clear call to actually hit reply if you're interested, hit reply if you don't want to hear from me. Now, as that communication evolves, hopefully we connect, I write the way I speak. So written communication, we have a tendency, and I'm not sure which of our eighth grade English teachers is to blame for this. We have a tendency to write far more formally than we speak. And it immediately feels inauthentic because there's words that you see all the time in emails and it never really anyone to say. So within reason, don't be afraid of a chin. We all say i I never say I am going to. I say I'm going to. Again, write the way you speak. Keep it professional. Once again, it's not our college buddies on a Friday night. But again, if you write the way you speak, that's a big step in the right direction. Also, unlike how my monologues on Christoph's wonderful podcast would seem to be what I think try to be... It's not a gift I have, but learn from my mistakes.
0: Wow. Thank you for that. And as we approach the end of our show, any final advice that you would give to cybersecurity leaders that, the, that you see that the market is calling for and that you would share as a recruiter to ensure that they are successful in their journey to leveling up to that next step?
1: Yeah. I'm going to give you one thing think you probably don't often get, and that's this. Be active in the places were the people who would hire you. So if you're this is a great example, if you're in a leadership role, if you're posting your ideas, if you're sharing relevant articles with commentary about them, not just spam posting from cybersecurity news, but with your commentary, you're doing two things. Number one, you're establishing a following. So People who you would want to work with can more easily find you. You're building that network we talked about earlier, but here's the other. You're leaving acts of how you, so people who would potentially hire you already have insight into who you are. Mind you, keep that in mind when you're leaving those artifacts. But uh, yeah, be where they are. I love LinkedIn. I spend a lot of time there, but it's not the only game in town. Find your local meetups if you're looking to look to work locally. If you're looking, and again, this applies more as you climb higher and higher, but go to places where people of that are congregating. So go to the cybersecurity conferences if you're able to. Every conference I've ever been to has had sessions for different people in different areas, levels, and levels. Don't go to yours. Go to the one above yours. Go and learn. Again, not to beat a dead horse, but network.
0: That networking. Have you seen that conferences or virtual conferences have been a great place to to meet people as well?
1: Absolutely. But again, where that that, that sequencing I talked about earlier that tempo give get so if you for example are looking to move up to a vice president of cybersecurity and you're currently a or what have you you really want to get to know CISOs because CISOs are going to be the folks that are hiring you so when you go to these conferences and you see those CISOs make note of them find them on them and start commenting on their posts start working with them now commenting on their posts bumps them up the algorithm they're trying to do the same thing you are their visibility. so that's an appreciated thing it's and it's also a form to aid communication. So so as someone who also has spent a fair amount of time as a senior executive in technology firms, one of the things that we did in organizations I was a part of to be successful is we developed relationships with folks that are good match for roles that we either needed perennially or we knew we were going to need. And you putting yourself out there gives you the opportunity to find yourself in these various pools for various organizations. So going to the conferences is great, but it's great for me predominantly as a networking opportunity to get to know these folks. And the way that you do that again, and this is Development 101, and it applies to job seekers, because when you're seeking a job, that's your job, is to, again, reach out to these folks, add value, and start the path to a genuine, real relationship. And keep in mind, even if they're not the CISO that hires you with a strong relationship, they might be the CISO that refers you to the CISO that does.
0: Did I answer your question, Christoph? Yes. Sorry about that. I guess one last secret question that, I, that came up as we were talking was, as you're looking, for, you said, those looking for a new role it's their job to look for a new role. As you go up in levels, how does it shift from submitting to an ATS to only networking? Like what's that ratio like?
1: Yeah, what a great question. So As everybody on this column sure knows, sure is a pyramid. So the higher you climb, the fewer the roles. And the closer you get to the top, a couple things happen. Number one, the fewer they get posted. So a lot of companies won't post senior executive roles. They don't want it known that they've got a gap in their leadership team. So those searches generally are handled by internal networking across the leadership team, especially with smaller companies and recruiters. So you will very rarely see anything above the level of posted for small companies and VP for senior. You'll see it, but you'll see far less, in part, again, because there are fewer of them. I feel like I'm being overly repetitive, so I apologize. The more senior you get, the more important your communication skills and your networking skills become, because those roles, again, they just get a lot less attention. So I would say architect, senior engineer, and below; those are commonly posted. Principal architect or VP; those roles and higher, you should again break out of things that are generally posted and moving more into network type roles.
0: So would you say that at that stage it's predominantly a what's a gray networking, a gray job listing area where it's not fully posted in forms, but it might not be even completed at the company level either. So it's that idea space that you can only get a hold of those jobs through a network.
1: I would definitely say that now it's a little bit different with startups because their openings are generally because of growth and that's not anything to hide, but, but yes, I would certainly say it and gosh, even startups quick tangent answer here. So that brings up another important point and we probably don't have time to go all the way into this, but things vary based on now. I've heard it written or I've read it written rather that cybersecurity is more of a horizontal than it is a vertical. And I can certainly see that, but it still exists to serve verticals and different, those different communities act differently. So for example, in finance, it's a far more regulated space. In pharma, it's a far more regulated space. So if you've got cybersecurity experience stick to that it's important and you want to maintain it i might add it's important that you build your network in that space your network should be as targeted as it can be without becoming so targeted that there's not enough room for folks in it
0: yeah you don't want to make it an echo chamber either
1: exactly correct exactly now your network can be more diverse especially to creep point. And that's a great point you want to get different diverse ideas. That's a big part of the value here. But when it comes to your job search, especially if you're in a heavily regulated space, they, the hire managers tend to like to pull people from that area, especially in the senior roles, because they don't have to train them up on the, again, f- fintech specific stuff or farmer specific stuff.
0: Wow. We've gotten really great information here else that that you feel you'd like to add or do you think we need a second episode to capture this in the
1: i'd love to do a second episode first off but let me wrap up with one one quick thought and this might not age well but i still think it's worth mentioning right now on the market as of early winter of 2023 there's a lot of talk about layoffs and there's a lot of talk because there are a lot of layoffs. But don't let that fool you. Even in deep recessions, all recessions are a mosaic. Okay. They affect one and everything differently. We're in a tough and a weird market right now for sure, but don't let that get in your head. There are tons of companies hiring. There, there's tons of opportunity in cybersecurity. You gotta stay out and look for it. If you let yourself get sucked into the layoff topic too deep, all you're gonna do is yourself that you can't get that role and it's going to mean as in frustration and depression.
0: Wow, Jerry, thank you so much for your guidance and your information. And thank you all for following us on Breaking Into Cybersecurity Leadership. Thank you for having me, Christoph. I appreciate it